Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. I'm glad that you've joined us. We've got a great conversation with Nathan Storms, who is in ministry at uh, Southeast Christian Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. Uh, He's helping launch one of their campuses. Uh, He's just out of uh, Bible college, and he's going to be talking with us about what it's like to be in ministry, to be young. When is it too young to minister? Uh, is it? Are you ever too young to be a spiritual leader? What does all that look like, and especially in the middle of a pandemic? Before we jump into that conversation, if you value this resource and you uh, uh, get something out of this podcast, we'd love it if you would join us in the ministry by texting Grace Story, all one word, to 44321, and that'll pop something up so you can give uh, your, your tax-deductible donation of any amount. Uh, it goes right to helping people on their journey of restoration and keeping resources like this podcast going. All right, we've got a lot to get to, so let me tell you a little bit about Nathan Storms before we jump into the conversation. Uh, Nathan graduated from Ozark Christian College in May of 2020 with his Bachelor of Arts in Bible and Ministry. After graduating, he moved to Louisville, Kentucky to take part in the 215 residency at Southeast Christian Church. He's now helping them launch their uh, uh, new campus in Shelbyville, Kentucky. The emphasis of his residency is on discipleship, through the Connections Ministry. Nathan enjoys drinking coffee, playing piano, watching movies, reading books, and writing. You can read some of his writings uh, at ndstorms.com, ndstorms.com. All right, let's jump right into the conversation with Nathan Storms. Nathan Storms uh, here with you, actually on location at the new campus of Southeast uh, Christian Church in Shelbyville, mm-hmm. Kentucky, um, and you have a, a role here, and, and it's interesting how you got here. Why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about your story, where your story starts, and and how did you arrive in your current role over this last year? Absolutely. Um, so I really like to start my story at Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri. It's a sm- small Bible college in Joplin, uh, and I like to start my story there because uh, it is a significant place to me, but it's also where my parents met. They both attended Ozark, and so they uh, fell in love. They fulfilled the Bible college stereotype of getting that <laughs> ring by spring, right. and uh, that was the genesis of my story. And so I was born in Indiana, and um, but moved out to Southern California after that. So grew up in a pastor's home, um, always in church, baptized when I was eight, um, just very much in the church and seeing that that was my life growing up. And so when I was um, a freshman in high school, we moved back out to Joplin, actually. Um, my dad had worked at a church out in California and then moved back to take a job at Ozark Christian College. So I actually lived on campus at Ozark. He and my mom were residence directors there. Um, and I lived on campus at Ozark all through high school. And then I enrolled there as a student in college. So I just recently graduated from Ozark last year in the middle of the pandemic in May of 2020. (laughs) And uh, I got connected to Southeast Christian Church through the residency program, the 215 residency program, um, which is based on 2 Timothy 215 and is just really focused on uh, kind of a next step of developmental uh, training for young pastors who are are called to ministry and are um, going into kingdom work in that way. So, so you're, you're graduating from Ozark and then you, 
in the middle of a pandemic and then you move out here, the pandemic is, is still operating. Mm-hmm. What was that like moving essentially across country in a way uh, to a place that you, you've never been before? What were those challenges like? What did that look like for you yeah. at the age of? Uh, age of uh, my actually my first day in Kentucky was my 21st birthday. Wow. So 21. Yep. Um, it was it was oh man, you know, it was really good. It was not challenging in the ways that I expected it to be. Um, I, what ways did you expect it to be challenging? I think so because I had been at Ozark, I'd lived on campus and my parents were still there, you know, college is kind of when most people, uh, you know, leave their parents for the first time. And, right, and right. I didn't do that cause my parents still lived on campus. Um, so I kind of was expecting a little more just figuring that out. And really I got connected to the community at 215 and to my host family here so quickly that, um, I think that transition was very smooth. Um, and so that big thing that I expected a challenge from ended up just being a really beautiful transition and, and led to a lot of cool things. So what ways was it challenging? What, what, how were your eyes open to new challenges on that? Yeah, I think just, I've had the opportunity to experience a lot of practical ministry things that I knew in theory from Bible college and from watching my dad be a pastor all through my childhood. Um, I knew new, you know, new things about ministry, but now getting to kind of experience it and see that, um, just see that in real life for me, uh, has been kind of challenging. It's been good, but it's been just a new growing experience. Well, and your role here is, is not a, it's not a small one. They really plug you in and they have stuff for you to do. So can you tell us a little bit about what it is you do here at the church as a 21 year old uh, in ministry? How are you impacting the the body of Christ here? Yeah, Absolutely. So this 215 residency program, the way it works is that every resident gets plugged in with a specific ministry at a campus with a ministry mentor. And so I was obviously assigned to the Shelby County campus. Um, And the program is very, very intentional and very developmental, um, just in increasing our responsibility in the ministry. Um, and there, there's so many, I mean, every aspect of it is, is developed and thought through very well, um, from the community of the residency to the kind of experiences we're getting with our ministry mentors here on campus. And so at Shelby County specifically, we just launched a few weeks ago. And so I really have been able to have kind of a unique residency experience of planting a new campus and launching and seeing even the, um, the volunteer base and the people that we've been making connections with and growing our ministry from uh, before we even had a building. And now obviously we do have a building, which we are in right now uh, and it's awesome. And so getting to see that transition from church starting sort of church planting, um, into here's what a weekly rhythm looks like. Here's what Sunday morning, you know, needs to, to happen. Um, so it's been very cool. And are there, are there ways that they have you engaged in, in content and giving content to believers? Yes, I have been, um, very, um, blessed, I think, to be able to uh, help out with some of our teaching and and contents. I really enjoy studying and teaching, and so it just makes me excited. Um, But I've been able to teach at our men's groups in particular, uh, which meet on Wednesday mornings. I got to teach the last couple weeks, actually. Um, And that's been really great experience for me because I enjoy it and want to um, continue to improve as a communicator and a a teacher. But um, it's also been cool just to be received um, by the men so well in our group. They've been very gracious to listen to a 21 year old get up there and talk at them. Um, so that's, that's been, it's been all around a really uh, great experience. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of, you know, at the crux of, of what I, I wanted to talk about. Cause it's interesting. You're 21 years old. You're fresh out of, 
uh, Bible college, some call it <laughs> seminary. And you know, you're, you're finding your feet in ministry, but you are for all intents and purposes, a spiritual leader, mm-hmm. um, to people that are older than you. Yeah. People that have more experience, yes, in life, but also yeah. probably have more experience in, in following after Christ yeah. and walking with him. What, what, I'm going to ask a a silly question. Is that challenging for you you to do? It is. It is very challenging. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's something that I've had to wrestle with. I've been able to teach a few times and every time before I get up there, it's just crazy to think about how I'm talking to guys who are three times my age, you know? Mm. And again, I, I said, they've been so gracious in receiving me. They really have been very encouraging and it's been cool um, there was one week I talked about Sabbath, and so I've had some really cool conversations with people. There was there was an, an older guy who came up to me, and again, you know, two, three times my age, and he said he's never heard Sabbath uh, taught in that way. And so that was cool, not because I was doing anything great, but just because I I really am thankful for the opportunity to open God's Word and, and just kind of... Um, I guess because I've had access to Bible college to, to have that kind of education to just share what I've learned with other people, if that makes sense. Yeah, it um, does. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you this question. Do you, um, and I'm not sure if I want to say feel like, or think of yourself as, but we'll blend those. Do you feel like, or think of yourself <laughs> as a spiritual leader? Oh, oh goodness. Um, can we say spiritual leader in training? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a big title to, to, um, gosh, claim for yourself to some extent. I mean, that is the, the role of vocational ministry. So I don't want to say no, but it's, it's daunting to, I guess, admit to myself that that's what I'm in training for. Sure. And well, you know, we talked about this. I think everybody has that uh, verse in first Timothy uh, chapter four, verse 12, Mm -hmm. where it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it sounds like you have a realization that it's not claiming a title. It's more just like, oh boy, <laughs> yes, I, I am in this role. <laughs> Whether I like it or not, I have responsibilities to set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And that's as you're, you know, I, I don't know how you, anybody could do that at any age, yeah. except relying <laughs> yes. on Jesus Christ for, for the power to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the the first Timothy verse that you brought up. And again, our, our residency is the 215 residency. It's based around second Timothy 215, which is do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. And I, I've, I've been camping out in First and Second Timothy a lot just because Paul is writing to Timothy, who is his kind of mentee, his student, this pastor in training that is going out for the first time and doing the work. And so, um, again, just speaking to the residency really is forming us in this season of becoming spiritual leaders in a, in a way. Um, well, you bring up a, uh, an interesting concept within, well, multiple disciplines, but especially ministry, uh, because there's lots of biblical examples of mentorship and people take, I mean, Paul did it for so many people. Um, Jesus mentored, you know, there's the 12 and then, you know, the, the inner circle. And it, there's so many examples of it. What What is your views on mentorship and your experience with it here uh, at Southeast. How's, how important is that to, to your spiritual development as a, as a leader? Yeah, it's been very important to me. Um, I think, so we have our residency director's name is Ben, and he's definitely a mentor to all of us. Um, and then here at the Shelby County campus, I get to 
work with under alongside um, Brian, who's our connections pastor. And so they've definitely been very influential um, mentors and friends and um, just encouragements. They, they have, you know, experience in ways that I'm lacking. And so they're able to um, share stories and wisdom and insight and, and guide things that I'm just starting out to do, trying to do. Do you have, do you have people that you mentor? Oh, um, I don't know that I do. Um, at least not super directly. Um, I think, you know, I think relational ministry is, is the way to go. There's not anyone that I have like super specifically taken under my wing, uh, in, in that specific of a way. Um, well, it's, it's so interesting with mentorship because I know it, it seems like everyone thinks that it's so important. Uh, but then, and I was speaking for myself here, like I, I don't feel ever ready to mentor someone mm-hmm. or how do you broach it? Like, you know, you grab somebody and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to be, ment- I'm going to be mentoring you now. Yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. what does that look Elijah like? Elijah thrown his cloak over Elisha <laughs> or whatever he did. Yeah. But let me, let me frame that in a question for you. Uh, how would you, and speak to, to the next generation, uh, that may mentor you, mm-hmm. how would you as a young person like to be approached, uh, for a relationship of mentorship? Because that's something mm. special. Yeah. Absolutely. When I was at Ozark, um, there was a professor who very much became a mentor to me. And it was actually, uh, he had been at the same church my dad was at in California. And so they both came to Ozark at the same time. And so we had a relationship. He knew me as a, as a kid growing up. And then as I was a student, I had his classes. And I remember I just, we had lunch one day in the Ozark cafeteria and I I asked him, actually, I think I was trying to ask him and he said, I'm going to make you say it super explicitly. Ask me the sentence. Will you be my mentor? And so I did. I I just asked him if he would be willing to have some kind of intentional mentorship um, relationship, which had um, um, a kind of goal and and a structure to it. And it wasn't just indefinite. Like we we had talked about, I think it was my last year. So it was was a pretty easy uh, definition around what that looked like. and I got to see him. I just went back home this weekend and we got coffee again. So it's it, the relationship continues, even if there's a specific purpose for mentorship that might have a set time. That's interesting. That, mm-hmm. and, and it sounds like from what you're saying that it didn't start as a mentorship opportunity. It started as a relationship and mm-hmm. an intentional one mm-hmm. um, where they were just investing in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's uh, well, And we, in our, our uh, a previous podcast, I think it was a couple episodes ago, we talked with Cesar Perez, who has a, a cert program where he teaches the Bible in public schools. Um, if you want to know more about that, go back and find the one with Cesar Perez. But he talks about, it's less about teaching them and indoctrinating kids. It's more about relationship and introducing them to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and not taking over the job of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Um, so I, it sounds like for you, a mentor coming in, it's less about concentrating on the, the mentorship, but more just concentrating on the relationship and the mentorship will come. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a, I think that's a great way to frame that up. So do you think here, here's a bombshell. Do you, th- <laughs> do you think that youth have an adequate voice in mm, the church? Man. You you gave me this question ahead of time, and I struggled to think of a good answer no, for it. No, no, I don't give I don't give questions ahead. You, you're thinking of all this. You're I'm just totally wise. on the fly. I'm yes. just that sage already at 21. Um, I think, I think, in a healthy, a healthy church model, ideally, you know, the youth do have a voice. Um, maybe because the elders are. The eldership, you know, the people older, I'm not talking elders of a church, but <laughs> older people are right. listening to them. And 
you know, we know those relationships don't always work out that way. Um, I think an interesting trend made possible by social media is that especially younger people, not only younger people, but, you know, as particularly in younger generations, um, social media gives everybody a voice, mm, yeah. uh, which is really end up just being a voice to, you know, yell whatever we think and <laughs> doesn't actually go anywhere. They have a voice um, good and bad. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it can be a tool for good. Absolutely. But it, there's so much, so many, so many voices now. Um, and I don't think that equals a voice in the church necessarily. Um, gosh, I would, I would have to, I think it would just depend on the local church context a lot more um, than, you know, than, than speaking broadly to everybody. Your tweet is not going to change the entire global church, you know, but if you can, if you can have relation, have relationships, again, mentoring relationships and, and people who know you in your context, um, then that's, that's a much more adequate voice, I think. So let me rephrase it. Mm-hmm. What, what, because uh, uh, I want to pull more out of you on yeah. that. What w- should the voice in the church for youth look like? Mm, um, in your opinion, as a youth? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the residency program has been a great example for that. Again, because I have a, a relationship. And this is a little unique because I was, it is a job. I was selected and put into this Um you know, it is a position. Um, but I think that does still speak to, uh, the people at Shelby County and at Southeast willingness to listen to younger people and to, um, even as they bring them into, you know, to, to, they bring people like me and my age to develop us into leaders. They're also still listening to us and letting us pour in and bring our perspective and insight into, um, just conversations about, about what will reach, I guess, our generation. Well, and what I'm hearing you say is what it looks like, and, and I'm pulling from that, is you as youth are going to be increasingly engaged when there are opportunities for you and you felt heard. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. That's, that's. I mean, nobody nobody wants to be a part of something where they're marginalized. Um, <laughs> right. People sometimes feel like they are marginalized when they aren't. Uh, so perspective is a lot of that. Now, I will say also, sorry to cut you off. Oh, go for I, it. I remember um, a professor at Ozark saying one time, uh, kind of a, a, maybe a cliche kind of general statement, but I think for myself as a young person, I'm not coming in expecting to have a voice necessarily. Like my goal is not to come in and, and um, you know, have a platform beyond podcasts all, <laughs> all the time <laughs> and, 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 you know, create my own voice. But, um, this professor said something about just doing the hard work and, and growing, you know, through your twenties and, and, you know, maybe when you're 30, you might have something, um, not that, you know, again, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, sure. but do have the humility of spirit to, to know when to be a Timothy and, and listen to your Paul figures, you know, and, and be developed in that way. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this question too. Um, should, <laughs> Should everyone get into ministry? That's a great question. I, I left that purposely open, yes. like very nonspecific. Yes. What should everyone get into mis- yes. ministry? Well, uh, of course, we know you didn't send me this ahead of time, so this will all just be. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> spend this morning uh, thinking about this. Um, so, uh, this is such a good question. First Peter uh, talks about. Um, he says that all believers, everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord is a part of a royal priesthood. And so the priests, their role was to mediate between God's presence and humanity. In the Old Testament, that was the priestly role. 
And so today, all believers who have been baptized into Christ, who have received the Holy Spirit, that is our, our role to function as uh, an extension of God's presence into the world, right? And to, to be those mediators. And the New Testament talks a lot about we are all uh, called to this, to this role. To, we are called to salvation and to live out our salvation in a way that is visible. Um, but also at the same time, there are roles in Scripture that are more specific, uh, more specific callings. Um, I think of Galatians 1 says Paul is set up, has been set apart for a specific purpose. Um, and then 1 Corinthians even talks about gifting, which I think is related to those specific, um, uh, uh, not specific callings as in a specific time and location and place, but a specific role that you might serve sure. wherever you are in the body. Right. Uh, 1 Corinthians talks about we have different gifts and different abilities that God has given us, and we need all of them together for the body of Christ. Um, and so we are all called all called to salvation and to to live uh, ministering to people everywhere we are, whether that's our job or not, whether we get paid for it or not. <laughs> but I think there are some who are called to lead the called specifically. And that's, um, I think that's what we call vocational ministry. That's, <laughs> you know, that's the foundation for why some people get paid to be pastors. Um, but being called to ministry doesn't mean you're the most qualified. It's not a hierarchical thing and it's not a higher calling than anything else. It's not a higher calling at all. It's just a specific and set apart and different calling. Um, I was reading in um, James 3 the other day. I was teaching the last couple of weeks, and so this verse stood out. James says that not many of you believers should become teachers because those who teach will be judged more strictly. Mm. And so as someone who enjoys teaching, that's a, t- a terrifying verse uh, for one. But <laughs> Accountability. I, exactly. It's crazy. Um, but I think teaching here is a good example of one kind of vocational ministry. Um, and it's what James is saying is that there is a higher standard for those who are called to lead, called into uh, vocational ministry. Um, and again, you can, you can minister in lots of different ways and not get paid for it. I think we're all, we're all called to that, but um, uh, it seems like there is a specific calling for those who should go, go into ministry, as we say. Well, and I love the way you put it just a, just a minute ago where it's uh, everyone is called, but some are, are called to be the leaders mm-hmm. of those in ministry. We're all yeah. in ministry, yeah, but, some of us are called to be leaders of those. I think of um, of um, just the the fact that we are extensions of God pre- God's presence. We are the body of believers. The church is now what the temple functioned as for God's presence, right? And so the temple in the Old Testament, it, there was still a tribe of Levites who were set apart to take care of the temple, and they were they had um, their payment. Their 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 offerings were taken from what took care of the temple and that was their role, their set apart role. And so we are still a temple as the body of Christ. It's, it's no longer a nation or a, a building, but it's the body of Christ. Right. And so there are still those who are set apart to take care of the, the temple. Well, let me channel a listener here. Cause as I'm hearing you, um, let's say I'm, I'm in that college age range, right where you are. I hear you and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I should be in ministry. Um, but I'm not one of those that's going to be the leader. I'm not getting up on mm-hmm. stage. I'm, I'm, I'm really not even going to be leading a small group anytime soon. What does ministry look like for me? What, how can I minister mm-hmm. as, uh, well, what older generations would call a kid, but I'm coming into my own. I'm in college. I, I, I'm doing my thing. I'm an adult um, or I'm about to go to college. What does ministry look like for me? Mm. Um, that's a good question. It's easy to throw some 
kind of generic answers at it. And, um, you know, because I, I, the first phrase that came to mind was just living life on mission um, in, a, in a way that is wherever you are, whether it's um, your coffee shop, you know, where you go. I, I go to coffee shops a lot. So that's my place. <laughs> Being aware of, of people, of ways that you can um, just share the love of Christ with whoever's around you. Um, you know, I think being led by the spirit is a lot of that also. Um, but really, I mean, especially for young people, cause th- this is where I'm at. Like, I just want to deepen my knowledge of the word and my abiding with the vine and, and become more and more familiar with the voice of the spirit and, and be able to, um, to recognize where God is leading me, if that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it, with the assumption, obviously, that he will lead me into places that I can minister, people that I can talk to, someone who needs to hear um, uh, about Jesus, needs to hear encouragement, needs to be welcomed into the family. Um, um, so that's like to a to a young person, person my age, um, I, I really think that would be my advice is just to press into knowing the word and, and abiding. Again, that's very basic, but it's sure. true. Well, let's flip that mm-hmm. because there, there's also some that may be listening. They're like, you know, I, I do feel as they call it the call mm-hmm. um, w- to be a leader, to to go into full time ministry and make that my vocation. What would you say to young people who are considering going into the ministry mm-hmm. as their full time vocation and, and also uh, Bible college, maybe? Yeah, um, I would say to those who are considering going into ministry, weighing the call. Uh, I would say take it seriously. One of the things that Ben Cross, our residency director, said, he's he's taught on calling early on in the residency, and he closed by saying, if you could do anything else besides ministry, do that instead. Mm. And his point was, it does, it's not about your qualification because God makes up for our lack of qualification across the board. But if you if you know that you are called to ministry, you, you will know to some degree that that's all you can do. Um, Let, let's do, uh, you bring up the call and you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not near as clear cut as that well, makes it sound no, like it's something that's ambiguous. Like I can remember, uh, even as young as eight, like thinking, you know, maybe I'm called to be a missionary. And then I'm like, <laughs> No, mm-hmm. I like, you know, it was just in a moment, uh, an altar call or a missions mm-hmm. service or something. You're like, yeah, that's inspirational. I feel the tug <laughs> on my heart. Like mm-hmm. how much, and this is going to be like a question that could be its own podcast, yep. but for your, from your viewpoint as someone who is young and getting into ministry and getting your feet wet and have that call, that anointing on your life, what can you explain to people listening kind of dissect the confusion of the call. Hmm. Okay. Well, man, I think I need someone <laughs> to dissect that confusion for me first. But, um, so, uh, the first thing that I think of is those CIY kind of moments, you know, where everyone stands up and, and worship and comes down. And I, I want to, I want to say that I think that's a good thing. I don't, I don't want to, to put that down because there is so much fruit that comes from that. And I think so often we're quick to put those down as, well, it was just an emotional moment. Right. Um, but no, um, we're, we're emotional people. Like sure. emotions are a part of that. Right. I think the follow through on that is very important. Also, you know, after the emotion has faded after right. that session, you know, what does your brain do? What, do, what does your body do to act out and, and continue in obedience to that? Right. We, and the, we've had, uh, people on that are experts who've explained to us that 
on this podcast that emotions in and of themselves, our feelings are not wrong. Yeah. It's what we do with and dwell on yes. and the actions coming out of those that are the issues or the, the good effects uh, of emotions. But, but yeah. I digress back yeah. to your No, point. no, no, no. That's great. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, for me, there, there was, no, there's not been a, a moment where, you know, light shone all around me and God spoke in an audible voice. I, I think that can happen to some people. Some people do hear God more audibly directly, um, in that way. But for me, I think seeing him at work in the story of my life has been significant seeing how I, I grew up in the church. You know, the church has been my whole world since I was, you know, young and, and the way he has kind of just cleared my path to go through Ozark to get to, to land here. Like he is, um, I think it would be ignorant to say he, he, if I, if I ignore the fact that he has been preparing me for something, he's been developing me towards this. Um, and even if I don't know, it's not as specific as a calling as I would like it to be. I don't know the details of the next steps in my path, but, um, I can say that this is, um, I, I couldn't see myself doing something else. Well, it sounds like from what you're saying, the, the call. Um, and I say it that way just because it's something that's become so ominous. The mm. people within at least my circles, church circles are searching for desperately mm. and want to know, God, give me the plan mm. for my life and I will get started. Mm. Um, but it sounds like for you, it, mm. it's been less about a, a road, uh, yeah. to Damascus or uh, whatever. Yeah. It's more of a, a just a relationship yeah. with God and taking that next step. So my last semester at Ozark, I was getting ready to graduate and pretty late in the semester, I still didn't know what I was going to do after I graduated. And this was also around the time the pandemic shut everything down. So I had even less an idea of what I was going to do. Um, but on my radar, I was looking at going to seminary uh, to get my master's degree after Ozark. I was looking at actually going church planning overseas in Japan. And then wow. I was looking at the residency. Wow. And so it was very much a uh, paralysis analysis. These are all awesome choices. <laughs> Your life could have been much different. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which that's so much of the pressure of that, of that season of not knowing what to do, but knowing they were all good options. And, um, but through that, there was never a moment where I felt clarity, where I felt mm. even a specific desire in my heart towards one of them above the others, if that makes sense. Okay. But what happened was, well, the pandemic happened. And so Japan shut down. I still haven't been able to go visit uh, Japan and um, just through a series of circumstances, like the residency was the door that opened for me first. And so I, I, I like to say I stumbled into the residency, <laughs> um, and, and it was only after being here for a little bit in hindsight that I can see just how much God's providence is working in that mm. to prepare me. And, and now looking back, I can say this is absolutely where he wanted me to be and where I needed to be for this season. Um, Man, that takes a, that takes a whole lot of pressure off when it's more about, uh, just growing close to a loving heavenly father yes, and having a relationship. And then you're like, okay, it'll, it'll get figured out. Yeah. I don't have to worry about it. Yep. I mean, that sounds simple. But yeah. It but sounds the, simple, but then live it, you know? It's, well, and there's, there's it. probably a reason why there's a whole bunch of scripture verses about <laughs> anxiety and fear and the future and what yeah. it holds and who holds it. Absolutely. Uh, so let, let's turn a corner here because mm -hmm. I want I want to ask this question because uh, you are youth and you're working with youth mm -hmm. and you are working with people um, that come to the church for very specific reasons. Um, what challenges are the youth of today facing? What concerns do they come to you with about culture or their lives? Um, mm. What does that look like today? Mm. Man, I think it looks 
probably very similar to what it looks like um, in other circles. I mean, there are there are all sorts of things that are pressing concerns in our culture right now. Obviously, you know, whether it's political or or um, personal and and kind of um, I guess experiential would be the word I would use. Mm-hmm. Like, is is your uh, is your experience you know your authority over scripture? Um, uh, and I think those concerns are are still prevalent even in the circles of you know other residents other youth other pastors in training that i'm alongside those are things that we are um uh you know not removed from we're still affected by them as people but we are also figuring out how to how to pastor (laughs) other people and younger people um um, in particular you know we have some some residents in youth ministry and so they're young you know young adults who are leading high schoolers, middle schoolers. And, uh, that has not been my realm of expertise. So I was not placed in youth ministry, but (laughs) that's why I'm at Shelby County. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, I think some of the challenges are, are similar and maybe the challenge comes to, comes back to that question you asked earlier about, uh, how, how can we converse with, you know, older generations about similar things, find common ground and, and, um, not just be so polarized in young people think older people are wrong about this and older <laughs> people think young people are wrong about this. And, and, uh, some of that is natural and has been going on for all of time. But, um, I don't know. I think, I think that, I think the challenge will be, uh, just empathetic listening on both sides. Maybe. Well, do you think there are different, uh, some shared sure, but are there different things that you as a generation, I mean, cause I'm 33 and I don't think you and I uh, have the same had the same challenges growing up. Yeah. Um, and same as a forty year old, fifty year old. That, that ten years is a huge thing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, so I how maybe instead of asking the specific challenges, but mm-hmm. how do we bridge that gap of conversation? Uh, you said empathy. Can mm-hmm. you build on that? Like how how in your perspective, mm-hmm. how do we have conversations when it seems like we're so divided as generations? Mm, yeah. Um, I do think it, I think it comes back to perspective and being willing to hear someone else's perspective and understand where they're coming from, which uh, that doesn't happen in the heat of a moment when you're trying to debate someone. Frankly, like that doesn't happen if you are only asking their perspective so that you can debate them, you're not going to be empathizing with them, sure. even though you're still, you're technically asking the questions to get their perspective. Um, it comes from relationships. It comes from spending time with people and loving them and getting to know them over, over time, I think. Um, and then, then you have relational capital for one where suddenly you are someone who they care enough about to listen to you as well. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not based in trying to convince someone of something or changing someone's mind, but just having conversation and a friendship and that that goes back to what caesar was talking about when he's he talked about teens like uh, the other freshman sophomore year of high school uh he's talking about if if you try to strong arm them into uh and he used indoctrination but Mm -hmm. uh some would just say the youths need to be educated more (laughs) uh they need to uh be specifically educated on these things but like, that's going to turn off the conversation. Yeah. You're going to have zero mm-hmm. influence mm-hmm. in someone's life. If you try to strong arm them and just educate them, they're not listening. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how it is now, but when I was a, a teen young person and in college, uh, 
kind of a little bit now still, like I can tune you out real quick. <laughs> Your lips can be moving and I'm not listening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that emphasis on relationship, which gives you capital yeah. to cash in when the moment comes for influence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because I think I, I want to listen to the, the generations that have come before me. Yeah. Uh, not just for stories, but for like, I want to stand on their shoulders and yeah. learn from it. But I, I do think that, and maybe it's the same for you that that conversation, that learning channel, and there's a lot to learn there can be shut off so quickly mm-hmm. and, and I will move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's look at it this way and, and maybe um, uh, outsource it from, from yourself and your experience. What's the best advice that you have been given on this, this topic of being in leadership, uh, mentor and being mentored mm-hmm. um, and having those empathetic conversations that, where we all learn from each other and grow. Mm. Yeah. There was uh, a mentor that I had in college who um, gave me some pretty specific advice. And this was, this was not maybe related to um, our topic specifically, but I think applies. He, he just advised me uh, to speak directly. It was very simple, but speak directly. And that was um, very much an encouragement for me just to speak confidently and, and speak up. Um, you know, for, again, for sympathy, don't let people look down on you because you're young. But um, I think that is also good advice for any relationship that you have, you know, speak directly and communicate clearly um, and don't back down from that and don't be afraid of that because that's, you know, that's the way that a relationship will continue is if the other person knows you better, knows your, um, knows what to expect, knows your intention. Um, so I think that, I mean, that's just from my own life, but I think that's, still applies. Well, it sounds like you're talking a lot about healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my experience with boundaries has been, uh, that it, when you set them, uh, it, sometimes it can have a reaction mm-hmm. from others, but that's okay. Um, it's, it's a reaction to healthy boundaries. We've talked a lot about boundaries on this episode, and there's also a lot about boundaries over on the Instagram page, uh, for, for Grace Story Podcast. You can go over there, just type in Grace Story Podcast, all one word. Um, and there's some ways, uh, on there in some, some posts about setting healthy boundaries, maintaining those. Um, but speaking of clear communication, mm-hmm. uh, you write a blog. I do. Um, I do and, write a blog. And I thought those were popular in the 1990s <laughs> and then they went out for a little, now they're yeah, coming back. I'm bringing them back. I'm going to set the trend. <laughs> I alone will bring back the blog. So can you tell uh, people that, I, that don't know necessarily where to find your blog? Yeah. Uh, where, where can we find your blog and what can people expect to find there? Yeah, you can find my blog at ndstorms.com, just my initials, Nathan David Storms, ndstorms.com. Um, and my blog, I really view it as uh, a place for me to just practice writing. I, I would call myself a writer and I, I want to do that for not just for me, but for the kingdom uh, with my life. And so you can find on that blog anything from uh, a, a thought that I had from reading scripture. There's a, there's a lot from my thoughts from scripture on there. Um, I write um, every once in a while, if I'm bold, I'll write something poetic and post it on there. Those are few and far between. Um, I recently started writing um, movie reviews for a different a different website. Renew.org is a Christian um, is a website, but I post movie movie thoughts and reflections really more than reviews on the blog as well. So if you also enjoy watching movies, there's something there too. Um, <laughs> So yeah, really it's, it's not on a specific theme. It's just, it's just my thought processes, usually around scripture, usually weaving together some combination of 
this book that I'm reading right now, and this has came up in my quiet time, and someone wise said this, and here's how the thoughts all connected in my head. Uh, so, well, yeah. and you've kind, of, you've kind of addressed it, but like that has to be, well, I don't know. For some, it seems like it can be uh, putting it all out there can drain you, but for you, is that that content, that inspiration, is that something that makes you more excited to write, or is it like you get done with it and you're like, wow, I I, I don't want this to ever become my full time job? Or oh, how yes, do you find the, a, the motivation, the inspiration for for your blog? That's a great question. It's funny you say that because I I'm very much an introvert, and so from from speaking, I found even in teaching in front of a crowd, like that drains me faster. I love teaching, but I, I'm super tired afterwards. Writing, I feel like is almost the best of both worlds because I can write it and I can post it. And there is still, I love the feedback that comes from that. That still starts a lot of conversations. And I love that. I love, um, you know, it, it means a lot to me if someone reads something I wrote and has thoughts about it for one, it's f flattering, but I love how that has sparked conversations uh, just from the blog. Um, but just the blog itself, no, that doesn't drain me. That actually just sitting down and studying and writing something that, that fills me up and gives me life. So, well, and it, I think it's important for, for people to find, to do something, uh, even though you might fail at it, that's something mm -hmm. I'm learning, mm -hmm. but then also just do it because you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I like how you call yourself a writer because <laughs> how will anybody else identify you as a writer or, uh, you think of you as a writer if you don't think of yourself yeah, as that? Yeah, exactly. So a, a little bit of confidence <laughs> goes a long <laughs> it way. It really in that. does. So Just a little bit. where can people find out more about you if they've been listening to you for, you know, almost 45 minutes here yeah. and, and wondering what I need, I need to see his face and know more yeah, about him. Yeah. Well, indiestorms.com is a good place to start. Um, I'm on, I mean, I'm on social media, Facebook and Twitter. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, gosh, I don't think I'm out there much beyond that. I don't, I don't, I'm not on the Southeast Shelby County website, so I'm not there. So just look up your name on, just on Google Instagram, me, I guess. Facebook, I don't know. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And I always like to end uh, each episode with, um, one thing, if you can talk directly to the listener, mm -hmm. can be about something we've been talking about, motivation, um, mentorship, whatever it may be, you, you have them listening to you right now. Mm -hmm. um, so do not forsake your youth here. Yeah. And speak directly to, to people your age, uh, the next generation. If there's one thing you want them to take away from this episode, what would that be? Probably something I said very briefly, but coming to mind now, just uh, knowing the word and abiding in the vine, John 15. Um, Jesus is the only true vine. And, you know, it. don't reduce it to the cliche of, well, you're supposed to read your Bible. That's a good Jesus answer. But you're, you're supposed to read your Bible also. You're supposed to know the word and that's that's not a that's not a punishment. It's, it's a beautiful thing and it's life-giving. And the... The words contained in it don't just tell you the right and wrong answers, but they tell you the way to a beautiful and full life if you trust it. And and they reveal God. Um, so that's that's all the reason you need right there. I love it. Uh, well, hey, thank you for, for letting me set up on on uh, site here at Southeast Christian. Absolutely. Um, in Shelbyville. And uh, thank you for coming on the episode. Uh, and, and sharing your 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 wisdom <laughs> and your experience, but really genuinely, thank you for sharing your time with us and the listeners. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. 
And thank you to the listener for joining in once again. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, uh, leave a rating and review wherever you listen in. To catch all the latest from uh, Grace Story Podcast, you can follow Grace Story Podcast on Instagram. Uh, just search Grace Story Podcast. We're also on Facebook, same name, and we're on Twitter. Uh, it's Grace Story Pod over there, or you can just look up Grace Story Podcast and you'll find us over there for all sorts of good stuff. Our next episode coming up in just two weeks is a special mailbag episode with uh, some of our favorite people, Amber Jones, the founder of Grace Story Ministries, and Ryan Waters, a uh, licensed counselor uh, and our content strategy director. They're both going to be on and we're going to be just going through questions that have been sent in. Uh, and if you uh, want to be part of that, you can send your question, uh, all anonymous, of course, as much as you want it to be, uh, just word it however you would like it to be asked, you can send that to Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com, or you can send it to Amber at GraceStoryMinistries.com, or even Ryan at GraceStoryMinistries.com. That'll get it to any one of our emails, or you can message us on one of the social media sites, uh, whichever one you're a part of. All right, that's about all we have for this week. I'm glad you've joined us. I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, And I can't wait for that mailbag episode. So many great questions are going to be answered, and it's always a lot of fun to talk with Amber and Ryan. Until we have that, uh, I hope you'll keep on your journey of restoration. We're all in this together. Uh, And until we see in two weeks, we'll be praying for you.